Hi there, everyone. I'm Gwen Jones, and welcome once again to the I'm a Rotarian podcast, the weekly podcast where I introduce you to amazing people that proudly call themselves Rotarians. Well, this week I am off for another adventure, but with a serious twist. I'm speaking today to Sue Paget, who's the CEO of the Rotary Action Group for Family Health and AIDS Prevention. Now, after 20 years in Rotary, Sue has decided to take an international view. She's a member of an e-club and is a member of an organization, excuse me, an action club that is literally helping millions of people, well, stay healthy. So join me, won't you? Sue Paget and the Rotary Action Group for Family Health and AIDS Prevention. Join me today on the podcast. And as always, I'm super happy you're joining us too. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm super excited because I have a new friend, uh, as we say, from across the pond. Uh, I have the funny accent, and she probably can speak uh, the the Queen's English much better than I can. Uh, Sue Paget is joining me, and she is the CEO of the Rotary Action Group for Family Health and AIDS Prevention. You know how I love my action groups. She is a Rotarian of 20 years, and we're going to talk family health, and we're going to talk AIDS, and we're going to also talk Family Health Day, just among a few things. Hey, Sue, so nice to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. Evening, Gwen. It's such an honor to be here. And and thank you for this opportunity. Well, Oh, well, thank you. And I and I do have to say that, yeah, I just I just had my my coffee and uh, you're probably ready for um, a cocktail pretty soon. That is the thrill of uh, of uh, this type of uh, worldly podcast. So I thank you for for taking a bit of your evening with me. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. So we're going to talk about family health today. We're going to talk about your action group, but why don't you give all the listeners basically, what are you the CEO of, Sue? (laughs) (laughs) What's your action group? Right. Um, The Rotary Action Group for Family Health and AIDS Prevention uh, was started by a woman by the name of Marion Bunch, an American living in Atlanta, Georgia, And it was started as a fellowship in 2004 and then progressed to an action group or um, a RAG, as as they used to call them in the day. I never actually liked that. Can I just can I just be the one person out there in the wilderness going RAG just. It's not the most complimentary. That's all I have to say. No. As you were. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think, of course, in, in, the, in the day they were, were trailblazers and, and, and there weren't many of them. And, you know, I think it was a huge learning curve. But she started um, RIFA, um, which is the acronym or, 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 or the shortened version of, of how we say it. When her son died of HIV in the 1990s, and uh, she explains that she she is a Rotarian and, and was a Rotarian at the time, and she just said that it was such a, a devastating, lonely journey, and it was just too awful to see the stigma that was attached to the disease with these, in particular, young men. Um, living and, and dying from HIV before antiretrovirals came to be. Anyway, she she started the um, fellowship slash action group in 2004 and started some inner city school programs uh, within Atlanta to create awareness. And uh, then she did some traveling and then President Bichai Ratakul, she was asked to speak at his convention in Thailand and he came to her and he said, Marion, I would like you to please lead um, something in terms of Rotary International or the Action Group's response uh, to HIV. Um, and that really was the impetus that, that was needed. So she started um, an orphaned and vulnerable uh, children's program in Africa. In, in the late 2000s or, or mid-2000s. And then in 2011, her journey brought her back to Africa where uh, 
she met with a past district governor called Stephen Wanji. And we can get to that a little bit later, but that was the birth of what we call our signature program, which is the Rotary Family Health Days Initiative. And that really is the core of what uh, RIFA implements um, at the moment through Africa and India. So, so, wow, just a little bit. So thank you. And is, is, our, is the founder still with us? Yes, she is. Oh, okay. Uh, you, you, she, you, she, I, so excuse me. God, I hope she doesn't listen to the podcast. Yes, you're still alive. It's wonderful to see you. Uh, but, you know, it, it, so she has retired, I guess, from it. But she's yes. still part, I assume. She retired from RIFRA in 2016, but okay. she was an advisor to okay. the directors. So um, she is very passionate uh, very wise, um, but but realized that it was time, you know, to to let other people move forward. But so we're talking about AIDS, which you know, I I my history with AIDS is that I did live in the San Francisco Bay Area in the eighties and into the nineties, and when it was gay cancer. I, I think, I, I think the millennials that are listening to the podcast right now, uh, AIDS is, is not new, you know, uh, some of the, you know, it's been around since the early eighties. It was a quote unquote gay disease, um, gay men disease basically. Uh, and it's one of the first diseases I think, or I should say pandemics. Uh, I believe it is a pandemic. I will speak for myself. Um, and I think it was probably one of the most uh, diluted of its importance. And I think that was because of our history at the time, our politics at the time. It was just kind of this, this gay disease. And now we know that it is a, uh, it's something that's traveled through blood and sex, unprotected sex. Uh, and it's still around. It, it must be exhausting. Is it a little exhausting to be in charge of something that has been a pandemic since uh, the 80s? No, I don't, I don't think so, Gwen, because I think when one looks at the enormous, um, the enormous progress that has been made along the way, I think that is super encouraging. Um, I think what is challenging at the moment is, as the experts refer to it, it's become the other pandemic because as COVID reached all of us, everybody has focused on that. And, and, and there's no doubt that certainly in Africa and in the developing world, uh, they, they are proving that um, the strides that have been made in eight, the fight against HIV and in fact other diseases has been severely set back uh, because uh, money has been diverted to to COVID activities. And and so it's becoming really, really important uh, where it is still so prevalent, which is um, sub-Saharan Africa, particularly in the SADC region. Um, I'm talking Africa, uh, but obviously it's in other places, is that we really need to step up our game now and, and keep pushing forward uh, because we do not want to go backwards in terms of uh, the strides that have been made. So, and I, and, and I know, you know, let's start off with a light question. Like, aren't you, yes. <laughs> you know, I'm so, but I think it's really important to go there. And, and I also, could you please explain to maybe some people out there who have forgotten what exactly is AIDS? What does AIDS stand for? And what does it do to the body? I mean, what, what type of disease is it? We know what COVID does. We know that it goes into our respiratory system. And what is AIDS? Very simplistically, it's a virus and it gets into your body and it weakens your immune system. So what happens as a result of that is that people become more susceptible to 
chronic diseases, particularly tuberculosis, um, pneumonias, which is obviously lungs, but, but it just weakens the body's entire immune system. So one doesn't die um, from the actual virus. One, one dies from contracting the disease because your body's immune uh, has been so affected and its ability to fight other diseases. So, so like, for instance, I remember uh, when I was a young person, Rock Hudson passed away of AIDS, but he actually died of AIDS related pneumonia. So exactly. I guess technically he died of pneumonia, but it was pneumonia that his body could not fight due to the fact that he had this autoimmune deficiency, mm. better known as AIDS. Is that, is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's simplistically put, I'm sure that the scientists um, and the doctors among the Rotarians might be rolling their eyes, but but for everyday people, that is a simplistic um, answer to, to what happens. So, and and hey, I like simplicity in the sense that that I think I think a lack of simplicity sometimes makes it go over people's heads. And okay. and is it safe to say that AIDS is still alive and well everywhere? You did say on the on the sub-Saharan area of the continent of Africa, it is still alive and well. But is there still AIDS in the United States? For instance, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. I'm I'm not entirely sure what the statistics are in the United States, but um, I know that there there are growing pockets within certain communities. Um, and within certain areas within the United States. Um, and so I think it's one of those things that if it's not taken in hand, if people are not screened and tested and put on treatment, it is something that will just keep growing. So the important thing is for people to get tested. The important thing is for them to be put on treatment because then instead of being a death sentence, it becomes a chronic disease that can be managed. So, so explain to me what a chronic disease is. Is a chronic disease something like arthritis? Or when we think of chronic diseases, what are some other chronic diseases? A chronic disease would be something like a high blood pressure that okay. could kill you, but you get put on high blood pressure medication. Or uh, tuberculosis could be a chronic disease that on treatment, um, you you it it is controlled. So so yeah, it becomes a controlled uh, disease that that people live with, but they don't necessarily die from. So the the truth of the matter is, there is no cure as of the time of this podcast for autoimmune deficiency or AIDS, but you can lead a healthy life with autoimmune deficiency, much like perhaps a hepatitis C might be another one that people get that with, with drugs and with lifestyle choices, they live long lives. And I guess probably the biggest example of it is Magic Johnson, the famous Hall of Fame basketball player is still with us and he is still HIV positive. Absolutely. So, as I said earlier, instead of the death sentence, it becomes a manageable chronic disease that one can lead a normal, um, everyday life, uh, but but it can be managed. So, obviously, the the founder um, founded this group because of the way that her son was was treated, and I think we've come a long way. In that department, it is no longer a gay cancer. And um, so, but there's obviously uh, things that this action group is doing to not only help educate, but save lives. So what does your action group actually do? And does it have more to do with, is, is it says family health and AIDS prevention. So obviously those two walk hand in hand. And is that what your action group does? Absolutely. And how that came about, uh, Gwen, 
is that when um, I mentioned earlier, Marion came to Africa and met with uh, a past district governor, or was district governor at the time, called Stephen Wanji, he said uh, to Marion, he said, you know, I have a dream. He said, uh, I'd like all the clubs in Canada to come together to work on one health program. And he said, I would like to make it a program where it's not just about testing for HIV, but it's about all the other diseases as well, because you will know in Africa in particular and in, in, in the developing world that there's a huge stigma uh, attached to HIV. Well, I think that's very true, actually, for anywhere in the world. I think so, too. Yeah, I think it's either a gay disease or a druggy disease, because those yes. seem to be the two things, you know, forget about the people who got blood transfusions. And now that our blood system is is much safer than it was when AIDS first came out, it's it's either what you either get it one or two ways. You're either gay or an intravenous drug user. And I say that with the caveat, don't send me hate mail or go ahead. But I think that's the yeah. caveat that most people believe that those are the only two ways you can get AIDS. Absolutely. Anyway, so um, so Marion said, well, that's great. You know, what, what do you need me for? And she had developed a great relationship, working relationship with the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta uh, on some of the programs that she'd worked on. So she wrote them in and said, this is what we want to do, but we need your NGOs, your PEPFAR-funded NGOs to actually provide the services at all these different sites in Uganda that the Rotarians are going to set up. And she made an approach to the Coca-Cola Africa Foundation uh, through a contact in Atlanta, and they funded it. They said, well, let's listen and see how it works. And Marion tells a story that on the eve of these health days in Uganda, the Rotarians were all, and the partners were, sitting around thinking, what on earth have we done? You know, this is either going to be a total failure, you know, but we just don't know. Anyway, to cut a long story short, 38,000 Ugandans queued. Wow. To get free health services. And what Stephen's dream and plan was that worked and the partners realised that that there was an absolute need was to give integrated health services. In other words, test and screen or screen and test for high blood pressure, for tuberculosis, for diabetes, for sexually transmitted diseases, for an array of other diseases of which HIV was one of them. So people came and they went for the high blood pressure and they went for the diabetes test, et cetera, et cetera and slid in and had an HIV test. And that was the success of that integrated preventative uh, health campaign. And that was the start of RIFA's signature program, which is the Rotary Family Health Days. That is what we run as our main program uh, as RIFA, the action group at the moment. So it kind of you know, let's make sure you're not a diabetic. Let's not make sure you don't have high blood pressure. Let's make sure all these, you know, your kidneys and your liver and all that kind of stuff is running well. And oh, by the way, we're going to slip in an AIDS test too. So it kind of takes the shame or the the stigma out of it. Absolutely. And it's still a choice. It's still freedom of choice. So um, people can come to the health days if they still choose not to have one, that, that's freedom of choice. But but we find inevitably, because um, the areas in which we work, the, the uh, community are people who fall between the cracks to healthcare because they're from disadvantaged communities where they don't have the money to go to the clinic or they live miles away um, and, and don't have access, whatever the reason might be. So generally, we find that they're so grateful to have these once a year vital um, screenings. Uh, And and once a year is all one needs to actually Mm -hmm. that preventive um, healthcare going. And and that is what the World Health Organization and and governments 
um, around the world are striving for to say we can no longer be curative health systems. We have to do preventive health care because in, in that way, it becomes more manageable cost-wise. It's just not a sustainable um, model to, to be having to cure illnesses constantly. Right. Maybe that maybe that's good advice for us Westerners as well. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and and the it seems pretty interesting that the the majority of the tests that you're talking about are blood tests. So is it is it a type of thing that if we just take enough blood and we kind of separate it into all these different areas, so it really does take the stigma out of it. Um. No, in my experience, um, Gwen, and I'm not the medical person, I'm purely the facilitator of these Rotary Family Health Days, but generally um, different stations are set up because there's a lot of... Okay, so there isn't a confusion, you don't want somebody's blood getting mixed up or somebody, especially in this type of situation. No, it's it's very tightly controlled and, and the partners who actually execute the services um, in the countries in which we run it, um, are either uh, government workers or they're NGOs that are working in those countries that, that are, are funded um, to do that work. Um, and then, well, we can speak a little bit further about, about how the model actually works um, a little bit later. But, but there are experts who actually do the testing for us. Well, and I think that's really important that the biggest difference between, I think, fellowships and action groups, like I, I am a member of the fellowship of gin lovers, which is talking to a lot of people in your country that have a very passionate view about gin. Lordy. (laughs) (laughs) The Isle, the Isle, the the British have a very distinctive uh, passion with their gin, let's say, but that's a fellowship. Action groups, I think people forget, have some real connections to actual governments and actual, um, uh, like you said, you said the Coca-Cola company to help in Atlanta to help you all the way on the continent of Africa. I don't, I don't think people really understand how actually powerful these action groups are all over the world. Who are some of the people that, that your group has worked with? You said government officials who, who exactly have you guys worked with to get these health days out there? So Gwen, how, how the model works, if we go back to the actual Rotary Family Health Days, RIFA executes them through um, a massive uh, public-private partnership model. So RIFA, the action group, if you can imagine a wheel, we're the convenient program sitting in the middle because it needs to be accountable. So so we are accountable for the quality assurance, for the monitoring and evaluation and the sustainability for holding the partnerships together. So what happens is if a country shows an interest, for example, uh, South Africa, because I happen to be the program director of, of South Africa, so that's the one I'm most familiar with. <laughs> point Go with what city. you know, Sue. Go with what you know. Absolutely. <laughs> so what we did is, firstly, we approached the Rotarian leadership in the three districts that cover South Africa and said to the leadership, This is what we do. We run this Rotary Family Health Day program where we offer three days of free healthcare services for screening, testing, linkage to care for both communicable and non-communicable diseases. And we do it in this public-private partnership. Is it something that you think you would be interested in as a country program? And do you think that your clubs would would follow you in that leadership to actually facilitate the platform on the ground to make it happen. In South Africa, they all said, yes, we think this is great. We then went to um, the South African Ministry of Health and the then Minister of Health said, this sounds jolly interesting. I'm prepared to uh, try it for one year. Um, And he said, what we'll do as Ministry of Health 
is that we will bring a set of core services uh, to each of the sites that you run. So we'll do HIV, TB, we'll do sexually transmitted disease, other diseases, we'll do uh, chronic care, we'll do medical mail circumcision. Anyway, there's a whole list of them. We'll bring that to the party to every site that you set up around the country. Wow. We went to uh, the communities in which we were hoping to run these things, or the Rotarians did, because it then became executed by Rotarians on the ground to say, this is what we would like to do. And, and then they have to agree. We went to the media houses. We said, um, we'd like to do this. We went to a number of NGOs. They said, yes, they were on board. And then we realized that we needed some private sector funding and also some funding for the programs because whilst Rotarians give up their time, uh, we didn't expect them to fork out for the mo mobilization of getting people to come, the posters, the leaflets, the travel costs, right. you know, was a bit associated with it. So we, we um, managed to get private sector funding. As I mentioned, Coca-Cola Africa Foundation uh, we had Gilead Sciences for four years in, in South Africa and Nigeria. And then, of course, Rotary International uh, has assisted us hugely with the funding of the program through um, district grants and, and, and global grants. So that's the public-private partnership model. Everybody donates their services. Nobody competes. So you have this massive swell. And then what happens in um, the different countries is that the Rotarians together with government select different sites. So in South Africa and Nigeria, we might have 120 of these health sites happening concurrently. Oh my time. gosh. Wow. So it's wow. massive. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Um, and uh, anyway, as, as I mentioned, we're in the 11 countries and uh, to date, I'm, I'm really proud to say that we can do more, is that we've seen over 2.67 million people and wow. often more than 11 million free health interventions uh, to people who fall between the cracks. So it's pretty cool, but uh, we can scale and do more because it's so huge. So you said that those numbers are amazing. I, you know, we've had some other guests on. Uh, we had a gentleman named Charlie Wesser who's trying to do uh, free clinics here in the United States. Uh, and then we also had the leader from the Johannesburg, South Africa uh, Rotary Club and their and their hundredth on their hundredth uh, birthday came and visited us on the podcast. Um do you play well? Do you play with others? I mean, if, if Charlie wanted to open up clinics, could he get in touch with you guys and and bring you his model? He is a Rotarian, and you know this is what I want to do here in the states. Or can the Johannesburg, South Africa group come to you and say we would like to help? I mean, how 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 do you work with others? I guess is my question. And those are kind of two different ways. Cause you have Charlie that would like to also do healthcare with you. And yes. you have the Johannesburg Rotary club that would love to be boots on the ground. Is it kind of yeah. a yes. And thing. Well, the, the easy answer to that when is that the Rotary club of Johannesburg certainly um, has participated in the Rotary family health day program okay. in South Africa. So, um, you know, obviously we haven't been able to have any for the last couple of years because of COVID and mass gatherings, et cetera. So, so it's been a tricky time for, for us from, from that point of view. But certainly Rotary Club of Johannesburg or any club in South Africa is welcome to join us. In terms of the bigger picture of what Charlie is doing, you know, I think that is the beauty of Rotary is that I think the more we talk, the more we make connections, uh, the more we find a way to work together. So, so yes, um, I'm happy to talk to anybody or play with anybody because 
I've always been a firm believer that something comes from something. It's always better to have the conversation. And even if it takes a couple of years, something always brings you back if it's the right way to combination. Go. Yeah. Well, and you know, and I think, and, and, and like you said, I have, a, I have a very bird's eye view because I have so many guests from all over the country and one thing, uh, countries, I should say, and continents for that matter. Um, one thing that I have noticed in talking to all these Rotarians doing all these fabulous projects is I've always wanted to know how we could have an, an intersexual combination, a, a, a combination. Uh-huh. Because it seems to me that, you know, you have a, a need and in that same need, let's say, to to do to for the for the medication to work well, let's say you have to have a, a meal. I know that a lot of drugs don't work well unless somebody is eating properly or has clean water. And so what, what's always kind of frustrated me is that I've got a group over here that are building wells, a group like yourself that are doing uh, health care. Is there any, yeah. is there a, a way, can we imagine a way that groups could be at the same place at the same time doing multiple things for a bigger impact and not just feeling useful, but actually being useful past your health day? I think what you say is so Vitally important. Um, and, and funny enough, I've thought that going back to the AIDS response right in um, the early 2000s when I got involved with Marion, is that if everybody could just come under one umbrella, it would make right. the impact so much greater rather than everybody doing separate. But nevertheless, one's not going to solve that easily. But I know from a, a rotary action point of view, that Rotary International Action Group point of view, that Rotary International really is encouraging uh, the action groups to collaborate more strongly. And I, I think the current chair and, and leadership of the action groups is making a huge uh, effort to bring Rotary Action Groups to see how the environmental action group can work well with wash rag and right you know it's all mental health could work with uh riffer so i think there is a concerted effort to see how we can uh join forces to to make more impact and an interesting thing on that for those that are going to the rotary convention in houston is that there is a rotary action group gathering on the thursday evening before the convention starts and anybody is welcome to go it's exactly to discuss um, how we can work together and uh, become stronger. And, and I think that uh, I speak maybe out of turn, but um, I think that Rotary International is seeing the incredible work that the action groups and, and the strength that some of them have in what they do. And, and it makes sense uh, for them to. to become front and center. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you with you more. I think, like I said, I think I think fellowships are lovely. Like I said, I'm, yeah. I'm a member of quite a few of them and they are a great place for community. But um, your your group actually has the word action in it. Yes. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> these action groups yeah. are actually participating in an action. So you mentioned something very quickly that uh, when you described these days that rotary is kind of that center part of the wheel. Um, that says an awful lot about rotary. Riffa. Yeah. That, well, that Riffa under the rotary umbrella as a rotary action group, yes. you're kind of responsible to keep everybody in line. And I think that says a lot about Riffa and about Rotary and how it is trusted around the world that, I mean, Coca-Cola is, is not exactly a small little company that, that has to check in with you to get stuff done. And governments of these countries have to check in with you guys to get things done. That's, that's, that's rather impressive. I must say. It's hugely impressive. 
impressive. And again, you, you're very astute in picking up on that, Gwen, because um, we do um, have a very strong monitoring and evaluation program within RIFR, you know, to track the diseases, uh, to track the linkage to care. And then we also, three months after each event, uh, we do an impact study to see wow. what the community feels about them, whether they actually did get treated, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the um, things that comes out of those impact studies year after year after year is how uh, they love going to the Rotary Family Health Days. Could we not come every month? Uh, <laughs> Uh, You're making us too healthy. Stop, stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they are treated with um, great respect. Um, and that's from a community level. And then from a different level where we've done research, and it's actually been quite recent, over and over and over again, it is the Rotary brand. It is the trust in the Rotary brand at community level and at the high level of governments, at private sector, uh, that that actually drives these programs forward. So, uh, without doubt, it's it's the name of Rotary International that uh, plays a huge role. And just to play the pure ego card, when you put up uh, the five most recognized symbols, we beat Coca Cola. Just saying. <laughs> We lose no out comment. to McDonald's and we lose out to McDonald's and, and the apple, but you know, at least, you know, at least we beat Coca-Cola. Uh, no, we love Coca-Cola. I don't drink it, but I love Coca-Cola for what they're doing. So I want to switch gears um, slightly because you told me when I was introducing you that you've been a Rotarian for 20 years and how did you get into, I assume you didn't just join and decide the very next day that you were going to fly off to <laughs> South Africa and try and heal the world. Um, what actually got you to join this, this action group as a Rotarian? Because you're still a Rotarian. Do you still go to weekly meetings? Do you still do all the regular Rotary stuff? Oh, you might be catching me out there. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> well, uh, uh, my journey was slightly different. Uh, in it was two, the year two thousand, I think. I was approached by the leadership in the Rotary leadership in South Africa by the past Rotary International Director Tony Serrano, who is no longer with us, sadly. But they were looking for somebody to um, work on the private sector polio eradication polio eradication campaign in Southern Africa. And uh, anyway, so that was my first foray into to Rotary. So I worked for um, Rotary in South Africa um, for about 18 months, I think it was, and on that polio private sector campaign. And when that came to an end, Tony said to me, would you like to join Rotary? Well, I couldn't exactly say no at that <laughs> point in time, but but I had seen enough um, that I was totally sold on the organization. And I think I was very blessed that I'd been able to see the internationality of it as my first foray into to dealing with Rotary. So, so yes, I joined about two years after that initial um, meeting with, with Tony. So you, but you work on an international level. Do you do you have a local group? Are you a proud member of a of a local Rotary group in your area? I do. I'm a member of the Rotary E Club of District Nine Four Double O. So it it is an E Club. Um, I originally lived in Johannesburg, but we've been down in Cape Town for the last four years. So um, I still belong to the 9400 one, but with e-clubs and with COVID, it's actually uh, proven to work. And they're very tolerant of me. They're very supportive. Um, I don't always get to the meetings, uh, but uh, they, they do understand the work that I do and, and, and the, the times conflict. Uh, but, 
yes, we're all on the same page. <laughs> well, one, I know a, a friend of the show, a gentleman named Tom Gump, who is a huge yes. pusher of, of e-clubs, uh, will support you 100%. And there's a lot of people that feel that you're rather the next generation of Rotary in the sense that you belong to an e-club. It's not that you are not a proud Rotarian. If anything, you're actually showing internationally what Rotary yeah. does. So our, so, you know, you, you acted, of course, this is audio, so no one can see it, but you almost acted sheepish when you said, well, you know, I'm a member of an e-club, you know, I, I will, I will be the first to say that I think you are, are soon to be more the norm than perhaps uh, yeah. the sheepish hiding of a, of an e-club. Yeah. By I, I think, I think my sheepish look was if any of the, of them are listening, I'm probably not the best one at, at going to meetings, although I interact with them almost on a weekly basis. Uh, so I think the sheepish was not the e-club bit, but rather that <laughs> I must feel I don't do what I'm supposed to do. Well, you know, at least at least in e-clubs and a lot of them, they're not taking attendance anymore because you're out, you know, helping yeah. with health days. I, I think, I think you have a pass. Yeah, so absolutely. <laughs> one of my favorite questions, and I won't, I won't keep you much longer. And I, and I do thank you for your time today is I do love to ask this question about a moment that is what we call here in the States, your it moment, or the why is also an example of it. And that is, is there a time on any of these health days or as a Rotarian that you think of once in a while, and I'm already seeing your smile. So that's cool. That still brings a smile to your face of like, okay, even the crappiest day in Rotary, I can sit there and go, you know what? I remember this one time when this thing happened and it makes it all worth it. What's that time? What's that thing you think of? Sure. I've actually got two, but Give us one. We're, we're, we're open. <laughs> one is slightly removed, but it, but it was related to the Rotary Family Health Days, and it was the first launch um, of the first Rotary Family Health Days in South Africa. And it looked like Stephen Wanji wondering whether anybody was going to pitch up. Um, on the eve of the first Rotary Family Health Days, we had the launch the next day. We had the Minister of Health, Dr. Aaron Mar he was going to be in attendance. We had the then Rotary International uh, Foundation Chair, Wolf Wilkinson, who'd flown in from the US, a number of local government officials, Rotary dignitaries, Marion and her husband had flown from the United States. We had the first lady um, of South Africa in, in attendance. And by... Half past 11, quarter to 12, the night before, there was no infrastructure at all in this rural part of the world where we were having the health days. And that was the responsibility of the government because it became a government function. And we just, I remember thinking, there's nothing we can do. Everybody's going to arrive tomorrow. We were expecting 2,000 members of the community to arrive and, you know, there's, there will be nothing. Anyway, at 12 o'clock at night, still nothing. At five past 12, the trucks and the cars started rolling down the dusty roads. And I got a phone call to say, Sue? I said, yes, it's Unkelisi here. He said, the wizards have arrived. He said, not to worry. And blow me down that by nine o'clock for the launch the next day, Everything was absolutely perfect. And um, so I often think back to that, and it's never over until it's over. <laughs> and, and for me, that was a good lesson in life, that, that people will deliver if, yeah. if you have. So that was the one. And then the other one, I remember I was traveling, coming back from Uganda. Uh, with uh, I'd been with Marion at a conference, and it was quite an intense con partner conference. And I remember getting back onto the plane and, and feeling quite ravaged from the three days of these intense meetings and stuff, full of, of convention members. And I sat next to two 
delightful people, uh, two Americans, a, a, a man and his wife, and they were missionaries in, in Uganda. And we got chatting and they turned out to be Rotarians. And I nearly burst into tears because that for me was my Rotary moment. I don't know what it was. It was an overwhelming uh, feeling that it didn't matter what, but I was amongst people who cared, people who understood and people who were actually part of me and, and part of what I belonged to. And, and that was quite a significant moment for me. So those are the two uh, rotary moments amongst many, many others. But but I think those are the two that probably stick out for me. Yes, sir. Beautiful. And I and I have to say that I, I I do not think it is a cliche to say the word rotary family. Uh, yeah. We do have a rotary family that's that's, you know, when you add those interactors and those rotaractors is is yeah. nearly two million strong and that every single day wants better for the world around us. I mean, it's it's part of the reason why I do. Yeah, it's part of the reason why I do this podcast that I think sometimes we get stuck in our in our our 20 to 50 people in our small little rotary groups. Like I said, I'm speaking to you on a little Island in the middle of the Puget sound in Washington state. And so, you know, I have, I have a whopping 40 members, you know, and we, and we kind of do this stuff. And sometimes we forget that we are part of a huge family of diverse uh, cultures, religions, theologies, you know, uh, I should say socioeconomic situations, and we all work together under one organization. I, I can't say there are too many organizations yeah. that can yeah. that can say that. And, and connected, not to um, you know, there there is a deep connection. I think that one knows one can call on um, those people if one needed to. I think very deep. Yeah. Well, I will have to say that I, I joke with people all the time that I stalk them on Facebook and other places. And for some reason, I have my little rotary emblem on and I tell them that I'm a Rotarian and they're like, I'll, I'll, I'll go on air with you. Cause I, and I think a lot of it is because I'm a Rotarian because these people I haven't, I have never met before. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of nice. I have to say, all right, I got one more question for you and I'm going to let you go. And that is uh, what we call the elevator pitch. And that is, and you can either say it, it's about Rotary or you can say it's about your action group. But if I'm riding an elevator with you and we're about to get off at the next, the next floor and I notice your Rotary wheel and I say, why would anybody want to join Rotary? That's just some old civics organization from the 50s. Because for some reason, I've been talking to so many people who think we've only been around since yeah. the 50s. Poor yeah. Paul and his buddies would probably be a little upset about that one. But so why would I want to join Rotary? What I say to people is if you're game, if you're prepared to put your shoulder to the wheel, literally, it will change your life. I think the opportunities that are created, no matter where your interests lie, what level you want to play at, I think that there is an opportunity for you to fulfill what you need to do in terms of service to others within this great organization. So you can choose at which level you wish to slot into. Um, and it will change your life. It certainly has mine. Wow. Sue, thank you so much for joining me. It has been a, a mind-blowing day to find out all of what your action group does, um, to have all these clinics going on, to have it not just be about AIDS, but to have it be a family of health issues that uh, you are preventing in this world. I'm very honored to know that you are part of the Rotary family that I am a member of as well. It's been an honor to have you on the show. Uh, and bless you, Gwen. And thank you for this opportunity. And I've loved every minute of it. So yeah. thank you for your consideration.
<laughs> Absolutely. And I, since you mentioned the thing in Houston, if my listeners are going to be in Houston, uh, will you have a will you have a booth? Will you be in Houston? Will representatives from your place Absolutely. be in Houston? Okay. Rifa, we'll have a booth and we'll also have a breakout session. And we would love to meet all Rotarians um, and everybody. So please drop by. Um, I will be there. Um, of, uh, a lot of our directors of our board will be there. And let's just have fun. I think we all deserve a bit of fun. Well, I will I will be there too. And in fact, I I have a I don't have it. Ooh, I don't have them with me, but I have a special I have a special uh uh gift for you for being on the show. Oh. And that's a little teaser for all if you if you go to the I'm a Rotarian uh podcast Facebook page, you'll be able to see yeah. it. But I actually had pins made for the conference for all of my guests. So uh, I will be coming by with a gift for you. Absolutely. So until Houston, do take care of yourself. And it's like I said, it's been an honor to have you on the show. Thank, thank you so much. You. Thank you. I look forward, I really look forward to meeting you. Thank you, Gwen. Uh, the feeling is mutual, Sue. I really look forward to meeting you and the rest of your staff at conference in Houston. And uh, hey, I'm happy to meet anybody. If you're going to be at the conference in Houston, send me an email, won't you? Rotarianpod at gmail.com. I would love to meet all my guests and fans at the conference. I will be strolling around with microphone in hand, getting some uh, quick little snippets of people's reaction at this year's conference. So that'll be a lot of fun too. All right, then it's the end of the show. You know what that means. Tell everybody about the show, won't you? Have them uh, follow us and rate us and all that good stuff. And if you want to hear my more musical side, you know the drill. Check me out at my musical side at Rotary Radio UK. All right, then until next week, take care of yourself and the world around you. And I'll hear you next week on the I'm a Rotarian podcast. Take care, everybody. Have a wonderful week.